Hey, welcome to the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast with me, Rob Kosberg. Every week, I interview thought leaders and experts who have used the book to grow their income and their impact. So tune in weekly for these interviews so you can learn how to use your own best-selling book and go from hunting for clients and opportunities to instead being the hunted. All right. Hey, welcome, everybody. Rob Cosper here. Got a great episode of the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast for you today. Super guest you are going to totally love, Mr. Steve Sims. He's the best-selling author of Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. Came out a couple of years ago. I bought it as soon as it came out. Fantastic book. Uh, was fortunate enough to get to know Steve a little bit when I lived over in LA. Great, great entrepreneur. Steve's been running his uh, luxury travel and lifestyle concierge firm, Bluefish, for more than 20 years. Uh, he has a unique talent for connecting with people's passions, opening doors, making things happen, not only from the book, but from all of his relationships. He's developed uh, a great reputation and impressive client list of uh, the world's rich and famous. Uh, he's got offices all over the world, been featured in Forbes, New York Times, Entrepreneur, Variety, CNBC, and now the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast. So Steve, congratulations for finally making it, my friend. Well, it's obviously <laughs> my pinnacle. This is, you know, I'll just shut up shop and just lay down after this because you can't go any bigger than this. <laughs> Love it, man. So happy to talk to you. Uh, Steve is a big fan of old fashions, as I am. We connect <laughs> on that. And motorcycles as well. Though he is much more passionate. I have a I have a Harley uh, soft tail. He's much more passionate with many motorcycles. So, Steve, what are you driving these days? What what bikes do you have? Oh, God. Uh, this, <laughs> my, my wife would cringe. So I got 12. Um, I'm really, really good at buying them and I'm terrible at selling them. So I've got Harleys, Ducatis, Aprilias, Nortons, Triumphs. I got a whole bunch. My oldest is a 1975. I had a 1951, but big surprise, you broke down. And my newest one is the Road Glide Special that's now all being tricked up. So yeah, I like two wheels. Love it. Love it. Where are you riding in LA, by the way? Do you go up in the mountains or where, where, where do you, where's your riding of preference? I know you were further West than I was. I was in out in Pasadena. Well, obviously Angel's Crest, Mulholland, yeah. those kind of things are fantastic, but I'm very yeah. fortunate in the fact that I live in Topanga at the right. top of Topanga. So, you know, for any reason whatsoever, I'll do the 27 because it's just a lovely curvy road all the way down to the coastline. So, yeah. you know, I'll literally say, oh, I'm just getting some gas. I'm my gas station of choice to be on the PCH. But love um, I love going through the 27. It's just lovely to have that in your backyard. Love it, man. Now, you know, since I moved to Florida, and we're talking about your speakeasies, and I want to get into that in just a second. But since I'm in Florida, like I'm right on the water. So so I just jump on my Harley, you know, and I'm just right down the coast, man, to Daytona Beach. I was at Bike Week uh, yeah. uh, last year, which was super fun. So it's uh, it's pretty cool here, man. You definitely got to bring one of the bikes out and uh, and enjoy it sometime. Well, the downside is Florida doesn't have these things called corners. Um, I remember, <laughs> live, yeah, I remember living in Delray Beach, and it was just like a straight line. Yeah. And the most excitement you'd get every now and then is when you had to overtake something. But uh, yeah, there's, 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 no, and you're right, hills. They have no hills, no hills. at yeah. all. <laughs> well, you're right. It is a little more boring because of that. But the beach ain't so bad. No, it ain't too shabby at all. So, Steve, talk to me about Bluefish. I've always wondered, you know, how did it start? Tell me about the origin of it. 
uh, and maybe give a little history what you do as a consultant, connector, et cetera, what Bluefish is. So quite simply, I grew up like most entrepreneurs without money. And I was, uh, my family were a construction firm. I was a bricklayer. And I just thought of myself aggravatingly that I, I want more money. I want to be successful. And of course, when you're 16 years old, you focus on success being monetary. You right. know, you don't look on, you, no 16 year old says, hey, I want the right mindset. They yeah. go, I want a big bank account. And so I went out to try and hang out with rich people. And the only way to hang out with anybody is to have something they want. So I was a big, ugly lad. I was a doorman of a nightclub. So I started paying attention to the more affluent members of the clubs, getting them into like private members areas, getting them into other clubs. For want of a better word, in the early 90s, I was a, a club promoter. You know, I knew Billy was working on this club. Go up there, tell him Sim sent you and have a good. So it was that kind of thing. Right. I went from getting rich people into clubs to throwing private parties in mansions, penthouses, yachts, ended up working for some of the biggest events in the planet from the Grammys, the New York Fashion Week, Kentucky Derby, Formula One, um, Stard Polo in, in uh, Switzerland. And it was all to, to do nothing more than have a conversation with an affluent person. That's right. all I wanted. And of course, when I started off, my questions were things like, hey, how come you're rich and I'm not? <laughs> How'd you get we, your money? <laughs> yeah, and that was it. Yeah. And that was a horrible question. Right. And I tweaked it and it ended up becoming, how come you're successful and I'm not? And then eventually, how come you're successful and so many people are not? So mm. I, was, I was using it in the 90s for what you use a podcast for. I was using my ability to get you into something, you know, hanging out with the Pope, piano lessons with uh, Elton John, drum lessons with Guns N' Roses, going backstage, on stage. I was using all of that concierge business only to have an hour-long conversation with some of the most powerful people in the planet on what made them tick, how they saw opportunities, how they view success. The concierge was nothing more than a Trojan horse. Yeah. I wanted to know anything that I could know to make me successful and yeah. less poor. And then four years ago, um, I wrote the book on it and it just took off. Didn't expect it would absolutely took off. And that's what I coach and train and speak about now. Love it. Love it. Talk to me about, uh, some of the biggest things you learned in asking that question over and over again, like what were some of the you know main lessons? And then what were some of the outlying things that you go, wow, I, I didn't expect to hear that? Well, the first lesson I learned was how to, uh, how to ask the right question. You know, mm. as, a, as a, you know, snotty little kid with no kind of um, filter, my question was like, hey, how come you're rich and I'm not? Right. And I realized very early on that that was a terrible question because it got people stuttery. You know, yeah. if I say to you, hey, how rich are you? You know, yeah. it, it causes concern. Yeah? yeah. Because straight away, you start thinking about that question as monetary. You right. start thinking, well, how much money have I got in my portfolio, in my bank, in my, in my asset? It's a horrible question with an answer that doesn't benefit me. Yeah. So then I tweaked it. I realized very quickly, if you're getting a bad answer, it's probably because you're asking a bad question. Right. So the first lesson actually never came in the answer. It became in the fact that my question was so bad. So my second question was, how come you're wealthy and I'm not? And I thought, that's it. 
That's a great question to ask. But then I got people going, well, you know, it's because I met my wife and she supported me and I joined this church and I, I have kids. And I, and I thought to myself, I'm not going to marry your wife or join your church. So that doesn't bloody help me at all. So again, I learned again that if you're getting the wrong answer, it's because you're asking the wrong question. Right. So it was the third attempt at that question of how come you're successful and I'm not to start to unleash the goodies. Yeah. And it actually came down to three things. The first thing is relationships. Mm. People of affluence, they get relationships. You know, they, they hire relationships. They don't hire your resume because mm. if you don't share the same beliefs, same culture, same mindset, then it's never going to work. I can teach you technique. I yeah. can teach you skills but I can't teach you the same belief. I can't mm. teach you to share my vision. Mm. So they, they book on, on um, people's uh, relationships first and CV second. That was the first thing. The second thing is the way they look at opportunity. They are constantly open-minded to opportunity. They're never shut off. They're always eager to listen and they're very quick to dismiss, but they're mm. always eager to listen first. Right. And the third one that I really got was time. This was something that really hit me. I've had conversations with Bill Gates, presidents, with Elon Musk, with Richard Branson, Peter Diamandis. I've had conversations with some of the most powerful people in the world, and they are strenuous. And what I mean is, when you have a conversation with someone like Elon Musk, they want to know what you're working on. Why are you working on that? Why is it do you think you can do that and no one else? What impact is that going to create? What jobs is what's the fallout going to be? What is the resistance going to be? How are mm -hmm. you going to? It's like wow. you're being interviewed. Wow. Because very, very early on, they realize they can make more money. They can make more impact, but they can't make more time. Interesting. So they don't give a shit what you had for dinner last night. They don't care what you're watching on Netflix. They care about what you are working on is going to create impact. Wow. And those were the main things that I learned. No kidding. So a lot of your questions and times with these people, it sound like, uh, you know, once the ice was broken, I imagine there's always that, you know, ice breaking time. It sounds like the conversations were, were intense, like they, they got deep very quickly. They were not just surface level conversations. Well, the funny thing is I'm not very good at having conversations. I'm actually not good with people, okay, because I just dislike most people I meet. You've met me, you know. I'm not, an, I'm not the kind of guy you walk into a bar and you go, oh, I'd like to have a little chat with that guy. I'm the guy you avoid. And if this face makes you avoid me, great. Yeah. I love it. But like me and you, I want to have a conversation, you know. Yeah. I don't want the woolly kind of like, oh, how are you? You're having a yeah. good day. You know, right. I don't care about that. Right, you know, me right. and you got into it quick and hard. Right. And I like that. So my demeanor means that when I'm working with these clients, it's a case of what do you want? What do you need? Let me help you get that. When yeah. I get it, I kind of not only have you paid for it, but now I've got a bit of chance to get some of your time. Yeah. So when I come in, I don't want to ask a billionaire what he had for dinner last night. I will literally go, hey, did you enjoy meeting out on John last night? Fantastic. Hey, Rob, I wanted to ask you, how are you looking at this opportunity? I'm straight in. Nice. And because of that straight in entry, they reciprocate. They come right. back to me and they're just as, as harsh and as direct and as forthcoming. 
And when you're that direct, you know what you avoid? Confusion. Mm. Now, today, we're in a world of mass distortion, distraction, and noise. Yeah. You know, is it fake news? Is it politics? Does COVID really exist? Uh, is the world flat? This is the time of the conspiracy theories, right. you know, like mass ejaculation is, is that time. <laughs> and so today we're very confused, aren't we? Yeah. What we want is we want clarity. You know, wouldn't it be absolutely wonderful if I said to you, hey, COVID will end on April the 17th at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Oh, if yeah. you had that clarity, you'd go, great. Now I know this is what I'm going to plan for. This is what I'm because now you're set. The sad thing is we haven't had that. So we've had to lead our own kind of version of clarity, our own version of control and, and focus. And it's been very hard. And that's why there's a real big divide these last couple of years between them and us. Yeah. The entrepreneurs to go, hey, COVID is a phenomenal opportunity. I yeah. launched an entire media company with wow. my son, Sims.media, shallow plug, right <laughs> at the beginning of COVID, and it's done exceptionally well for us. Amazing. And here's a little fact for you. There have been more millionaires in 2019 to 2020 than there were in 2018 to 2019. No kidding. Didn't know that. Yeah, that's an, and truthfully, I didn't. When, when my team came to me and said, Hey, you should do this on, you know, the mindset of uh, entrepreneurs during a, a stark time, i.e., COVID. And they went, Did you know 2.251 million millionaires were born just between 19 and 20? And it was more than 18 to nine. I'm like, Shut up. That's got to be wrong. And they went off to double check it and came back to me and it was valid. Amazing. More millionaires built and, and established during a time where we couldn't even leave our house. Crazy. Work Crazy. It's interesting. I mean, it, it has been a couple of years since we connected, mm. and I know you're doing all kinds of different things. And so I want to dive right in. Like, talk to me about the coaching thing. Talk to me about the speakeasy. Like, what have you been doing and building the media company? Like, what does that even mean? Like, like talk to me about the details of what you've been up to. Well, this is all around a book. And yeah. let's be completely blunt. If I didn't have the book, I wouldn't have any of those other things. Ooh, you see, I love that. I, you know, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I wrote the book and honestly thought to myself ignorantly. And, and you know, I got friends like Tucker Max and JJ Virgin and Jay Abraham and Tim Ferriss. So these, these guys make money out of books on a day to day yeah. basis. Me, I just wrote the book because I wanted to write it. It was the right time. And let's be blunt, Simon and Schuster paid me a shit bucket of money to write this book. And I thought that was it. And then all of a sudden people were like, I like the book, but what's next, Steve? How can I get more of this? How if right. you write a good book, then you don't own that. The person that bought it owns it and now demands to be fed. So mm. all of a sudden people were like, do you do events? Uh, okay. You know, let's, <laughs> let's try an event. You know what? And this was my thing. What would an event look like to you to make it worth coming to? And so they told me what they want. All I did was build it. Nice. And so I've been running an event called a speakeasy and it's become refined. This is our fourth year of doing it. It started like six months after the book. But here's the thing. We actually look at it as a reverse mastermind. You see, you'll go to a mastermind because so-and-so speaking, or it's at that hotel, it's on these days. You've got all the information. I run a speakeasy 
And I'm not trying to pitch this, but I want everyone I want out to. there. I want to hear it. I want everyone to do this. I want you to visit simsspeakeasy.com. Okay. There's only one M in Sims. And the reason I'm asking you to, because you're going to get to that page and go, you've got to be kidding me. I can't wait. <laughs> what I did was I gave you the city, the dates, and a button to pay me $2,000. I gave you no information. I wanted to see if my credibility was strong enough to get someone to commit to go into an event where they didn't even know the location right. <laughs> or who's going to be there. Or what it's going to be. Well, that's where it gets really good. Every <laughs> single person that pays, they get a call from us. And they get a call and they're like, hey, Rob, thanks a lot for signing up for the speakeasy. But I've got to ask you, why did you do that? What is your problem? Right. And we accumulate everyone's problems. And then once I know what the problem is, only then can I find someone to come in to speak that's going to give that solution. Oh, that's great. Now, if you think about it, how many people go to events and they're going because of them? Yeah. Wouldn't it be good to go to an event knowing that your problem is going to be answered? Yeah, that's really brilliant. We started it, as I say, three and a half years ago. Yeah. It did really, really well. And uh, we've been running all over the planet. And as you know, our next one's in New York. Yeah. But we are coming over to uh, a Florida one. We were just chatting about that earlier. Yes. But they've done really, really well. And we've had some insane people turn up yeah. to answer your problems. Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about it. Give, give me a little taste. So, like, who are some of the folks that turned up? And what, what does that look like? Um, the last one we had was in uh, Austin, Texas. Okay. And the one before that was in San Diego. So people sign up and I'll give you the San Diego one, but um, first, so we had people saying about how do you make decisions during these times of massive stress? You right. haven't got clarity. We're all being inundated with, you know, where should we go? Where should we move? How should we do this? How do we make uh, a decision at the beginning of day one? Now, Bearing in mind, you get told the location of the hotel to book. So you know the hotel. We're not leaving you high and dry. You know what hotel to book. We tell you the location, and they are never in hotels. They're always in quirky kind of you know, nice. creative environments. We tell you the location on the Friday. So you're in the hotel. You find out where it is. On Monday, you turn up. Okay? So we had them all turn up Monday morning, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock it starts. Three, uh, Two big guys walk in the room with carrier bags and with glad bags, Ziploc bags, see-through Ziploc bags, and marker pens. Everyone's laptops, iPads, and cell phones, and any recording info uh, stuff is put in these bags with your name on it, and then they're put on the shelf by the side of us. So no one could have any recording, advice, uh, okay. recording stuff. We had the head of the current Navy SEAL Team 6 oh. come into our room to talk about how to make decisions under heavy, stressful situations. Wow. Now, wow. you're worried about how do you tweak your Facebook ads, right. and this guy is telling you how to handle not dying. Right. So that's the level. We've had the head of, um, we've had the head of production for Victoria's Secrets and Ralph Lauren talk to you about how to do 60-second videos on your Snapchat. We've had, um, we've had uh, Jim Quick talking about remembering things. We've had Ari Mizell talking about structure. We've had yeah. uh, Roland Frazier talking about mergers and acquisitions. We've had gang leaders talking about loyalty. We had the wow. head of Tiffany talking about selling experiences. We have some very, very powerful people come in to answer your problems 
but we get the absolute top of the game person to answer your problem. Love it. What a brilliant idea. I've never actually, and I'm sure you haven't, I've never heard of anybody doing that. Now I get the idea of the speakeasy, right? Like, you know, the first time that we hung out was uh, we did that old fashioned thing and we invited like, like 300 (laughs) people to a bar. It was ridiculous. uh, We just said we're going to a bar. We just said, let's get together for, should we invite a few people? And all of a sudden, like, we had half of Orange County turn up. It was ridiculous. It was awesome. Yeah. And so this is kind of that feel like no one knows where they're going until the yep. end. And and then they show up and, and the experience is going to be a powerful experience that's kind of modeled exactly for what their needs are. I love that. Yes. Brilliant. Yes. And if the person, if during the conversation, we realize that we don't have the answers to that problem, quite simply, we tell them that and we refund them the money. So, um, and we weren't even the ones that came up with the name speakeasy. You know, we didn't know what to call it. And someone turned around and went, this is like a speakeasy. You don't know, you don't know who's (laughs) going to be there, but you know, that's the place where everything happens. Right. So we were like, hang on. Everyone knows me as a, as a degenerate alcoholic speakeasy makes complete sense. (laughs) So that's how it started. That's good. That's good. So where does it go from there? You're doing coaching. Uh, I yep. think you were just starting to do that after the book. Um, yep. So talk to me about what your coaching program looks like, how the book has led to that. Give me give me some of the groundwork on that. So the downside is, as everyone knows, that nine times out of 10, the biggest problem is you. Either what you think, what you feel, or what you react is you. So yep. the book actually led people to go, hey, can you help me with my mindset? Can you help me visualize? Can you help me focus? And so I started doing phone calls. And I would do three phone calls a month under a coaching program. In that coaching membership, you would also get to come to the speakeasies as well. So there was all of these ways of me being able to fine-tune your focus while also introducing you into an environment where you would grow with with people that can support you. But then it led to one more thing. It was a case of, well, okay, now you've got my mindset. What's the next movement? How can I, uh, you know, put this into my business? How can I actually activate this? How can I grow this? How can I do this? How can I implement the strategies that we're now discussing? So I was kind of leading them halfway to the, to the water, but then going, oh, there you go. You know, enjoy the rest of the journey. And that was right. silly. So yeah. Henry had a media company that was focusing on algorithms and scalability. I had always worked on branding with some of the biggest events and brands in the planet. Right. So we married them together so that we could get your vision correct, get your mindset, get where you're going, and then be able to introduce you to a resource that can actually implement it and activate it for you. So again, if you look at this, it all started off with the book. If the book resonates with someone that's got the same problem, that you can show that there's a way out, then the coaching helps them define what that vision and future looks like. And then the media company actually gets them to complete that journey to actually achieve what they need to be doing in order to get to go where they need to. So it was all a knock on and a growth. And again, could not have started. There was no way in the world you could have gone backwards on this. I could not have built the media company without the consulting, without the coaching, without the phone calls. None of that could have been done without the book. Yeah. How brilliant. You know, normally towards the end of the podcast, I like to ask how you've used your book, but that's kind of all we've been talking about, right? (laughs) Do you know, I think that's the problem is there's a lot of field of dreams moments out there. A lot of people think, oh, I'll build this website. The clients to come. I'll get this front page news. 
my phone won't stop ringing. We right. know that's bullshit. Yeah. Okay. But the book, you write a good book and you will get swamped. It yeah. just happens. Your damage, your downside is if you're not ready to feed the beast that you've given birth to. Right. And again, that's the entrepreneur. The opportunist goes, hang on a minute. You're asking me for A, B, and C. I'll give you A, B, and C. Yeah. yeah? Just imagine if someone knocked on your door in the morning and went, hey, can you sell me a blue checkered shirt and a lovely pair of black glasses? If they've given you that accuracy and you know where to get, you're in business. It couldn't <laughs> be any better than that. Right. You know, it's it's interesting uh, the way you put it, because, you know, you wrote the book and it didn't sound the way you described it didn't sound like you had a lot of expectations and plan even to move to coaching, speakeasies, media company, any of those things. And yet the opportunities just just showed up for you that they did. I mean, you know, that, that's just brilliant to take advantage of all those opportunities that came to you. I think you got to be an idiot not to. I yeah. really didn't. I remember, as I mentioned to you earlier, I named dropped earlier. Jay Abraham's a good friend of mine. And I remember when I got the contract for start, my wife's like, you know, do you know how to write a book? You know, do you know what you're doing? And I went, no, I don't, but I know people. And I went down to see Jay. And as I walked through the front door with my contract in hand and we'd only shaken hands, the door wasn't even shut. Jay looked at me and he's very, he can do this. He can drop something on you, which just gets straight into your toenails. And he just said to me, are you ready? And I thought he was talking about dinner. And I was like, yeah, yeah, what are you doing? No, no, no. Are you ready for what this is going to do for you? Wow. And I said, and of course, being arrogant, I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, and he, he literally put firmness on his hands and he went, no, seriously, you have no idea what you're about to unleash. Yeah. yeah. You need to be ready or you will miss out. And he said to me at the time, he said, this book is not going to buy you a house on the beach but everything it opens for you will. Mm. And I remember, and we hadn't even gone the, through the door. And no I'm kidding. like, uh, okay, I don't know where we're going with this. And then we sat down, had dinner, and then it just started to unveil. And I was like, my God, he's so right. And he's out, I'm not on the beach, but I am lovely up in the hills. And it's not from the sale of the book. The book did really, really well for me. Right. But everything else did like 400 times that. Yeah. Um, so it's a good thing. Steve, I love it, brother. Thank you, man. Thanks for the things you shared today. So good. I mean, so rich. Uh, you gave a couple of links already, but let's give them again. Where do you want to send folks? Where can people go to learn about the speakeasy? Maybe sign up on a list. Uh, obviously, they can get the book on Amazon, but tell us where they could go to get more stuff from you. Well, this is the first thing a lot of people have a problem with. They go, well, on Twitter, I am ABC1 and on Instagram, I I am Steve D Sims everywhere. SteveDSims.com. Steve right. D Sims on anywhere that you watch, whether it be TikTok, Instagram. And I've got a free Facebook group called An Entrepreneur's Advantage with Steve Sims. But if you hit SteveDSims.com, sign up for my newsletter there by texting me. You'll get all the information you need. Love it. Love it. And of course, I did that myself as well. So uh, stevedsims.com, that's the place to go. Steve, great to, to have you on, man. I really look forward to seeing you again. I mean, I, I hope you make it down to Florida for, uh, for the next Speakeasy, and I will totally be there. I can't wait to see who you're going to bring in to fix my problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We got yeah, we got to talk. Maybe your problems need a therapist. We'll have to exactly. Look into that. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Thanks for being on. Cheers, pal.